This is Cedaring Fox, Word Theatre's founder and artistic director. And I'm Kirsty Peart, UK founder and creative partner. For nearly two decades, Word Theatre has been gathering the most wonderful actors and authors together to share the best of stories of what it is to be human. We have two very special people bringing you today's story. They are part of our ever-expanding family of writers and actors who believe in the power of great stories to make a better world. This week, we have Gary Dordan reading Bug Juice by Christine Lincoln. Gary has performed with Word Theatre in Los Angeles, New York, London, and even at the Latitude Festival. We are so pleased to introduce this writer to you with this particular reading. For those of you who are not familiar with her work, Christine Lincoln is a graceful, gentle soul with many stories to tell. She is a poet, and she writes spare, elegant, unforgettable prose. Sap Rising is Christine's book of 12 interlocking stories, and when it was published, one reviewer wrote, The slenderness of the narrators belies their emotional strength, revealing the author's deep conviction that the writing process itself can redeem the poverty, ignorance, cruelty in her characters' lives. Christine knows of what she speaks. Please welcome the author who will introduce her story, Bug Juice. This story is actually a story chapter from a novel written in stories called Sap Rising. This particular character in the story, Bug Juice, is Sonny Fisher. And Sonny Fisher is actually based on my Aunt Emily. She grew up during the time of desegregation. And I remember when I was growing up, she told me this story about the moment she realized she was black. And not only was she black, but that she was considered to be less than by the culture at large and the impact that that had on her. And at the time that I was writing this story, I had my own young son. And I thought about that moment when he would have the scales of innocence drop from his eyes and he would realize not only was he a black boy, but that he was considered to be less than as well. And So I wanted to write this story for him to give him a hope, something to perhaps hold on to. And this is how Bug Juice was born. She came into Sonny's life like wind, like a storm that blew in one night and was gone the next, leaving him with a yearning that would take years to fill. At first, Sonny thought he was still caught in the depths of his dream, but Then a stronger force pulled him back to a moon-soaked room and into the lingering laughter that filtered through the cracks in his bedroom door and sounded like stars. Sonny knew the sounds of night surrounded by the softness of moss woods. For nine years, he slept in that room with the worn mahogany bureau, the paneled wardrobe, and the cedar chest, listening to his younger brothers and parents breathing against the monotonous drone of insects and frogs spirited under the cover of darkness. Sonny swung his legs over the side of the bed. He had gone to sleep in nothing but his underwear. As he stood up, stretching his slight frame, a hint of the muscles that would pull him into manhood seemed somehow clearer in the moon's light. He picked his way to the door, opened it a crack, and slid through, pulling it quickly behind him as he went to stand at the top of the stairs. The glow from the kitchen cast the stairway into shadows, so Sonny had to hold onto the banister as he made his way to the bottom step. He could make out the voices of his mother and father and of another man whose voice he did not know. He poked his head around the corner. 
blinking his watery eyes against the kitchen's sudden brightness. His father sat at the head of the table, his mother at the other end, her back to Sonny. A man sitting to the right of his mother poured himself a glass of beer from the paper bag he held in his hand. The man was around his parents' age. Sonny could see that. He was a shade lighter than his drink, with a sprinkling of freckles across the bridge of his nose and eyes that smiled even as his mouth disappeared behind his glass. A woman sat beside him, and once Sonny had seen her, he could not take his eyes from her. She was the darkest person he had ever seen, with almost everyone in his family being light-skinned and freckled. But this woman was the color of ripened mulberries, the purple-black stain that covered Sonny's lips and hands when he gorged himself on the fruit sweetness. Her cheekbones were so high, the lower portion of her face seemed to belong to someone else. She sat quiet, looking back and forth among the other three as they traded conversation. Sonny shifted his weight, and the movement caught his father's eyes. What is she doing up this time of night? You're supposed to be sleeping. His mother turned around in her chair, her face a picture of pursed lips and contorted eyebrows as she tried to capture Sonny's eyes with her own. Before Sonny could come up with an excuse that would satisfy her, the beer man said, Sonny, is that you? My lord, you done got big since the last time I saw you. Tall! Sonny smiled, tucking his chin into his chest. You know who I am? He didn't wait for Sonny to reply. I'm your Uncle Kenny. Remember me? Sonny's smile spread into a grin. He nodded his head so hard that it felt it as if it would fall off and roll across the kitchen floor. Come on over here. Let me get a good look at you. His Uncle Kenny stretched his arms toward him, and Sonny flew from his mother's accusing eye into the welcome embrace. Sonny felt himself engulfed in a close, quick hug before being taken by the shoulders and held at arm's length. His uncle's eyes searched Sonny's flushed face until he seemed satisfied with what he read there. Got yourself a fine young man here, Leonard. Sissy? Looks like daddy when he was a boy, don't he? His uncle turned to the woman by his side. The palm of his hand lay against the back of Sonny's neck, and Sonny was sure his uncle would be able to feel the heat rise up in his body. Annie? This is Sissy's oldest boy, Sonny. Sonny could feel the woman looking over him. He wanted to look at her, too, but he didn't. She was from the city, and his mother had told him about city folks, how they was evil. Devils. All of them going to hell except Uncle Kenny, who still had a chance at salvation since he hadn't actually been born there. Yes, his mother said. This one here is a good one. As long as I stay on him, you got to stay on children these days. And what about that other one? His Uncle Kenny squeezed Sonny's neck. Now that Dennis... He's something else, child. He was, what, uh, three, four when I was last there? Three, just turned seven. Sonny could feel himself disappear once his mother's words were off of him. And when I say he's a mess, I mean he is just a mess. About a week or so ago, I come outside and the boy had let all the chickens out of the coop. He running behind him talking about fly away, birds, fly away, you free. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Sonny's uncle sputtered, choking on a sip of beer. Everyone at the table laughed, and Sonny slipped away to go sit in the corner of the room. 
The conversation flowed around him like sea currents, and he was relieved that his uncle had diverted his mother's attention. He watched the way Annie nodded her head at the story shared, laughing at the part she was supposed to. And every now and then she would say something to his mother in a voice that sounded like dusk. She didn't look like she was able, with her soft hazel eyes and a laugh that pulled him to the edge of his seat. Sonny watched as a moth fluttered against the screen door, trying to get to the light over the porch. The hum of insect wings and the drone of conversation waited his eyes, and his lashes began fluttering against the top of his cheeks. When he heard his name, he nearly jumped from his seat, eyes wide and blind at the sight of his mother's voice. Come on, little boy. Time for you to get back to bed. But I ain't tired. He tried to keep his voice from a whine. Sonny hated it when his mother called him a little boy, as if he were a child like Dennis. Besides, it's too high. He crossed his arms over his chest, imagining he had become one with the chair. His mother crossed her arms as well, and Sonny could see she was going to push the issue, even in front of this Annie woman. Let the boy go, Ruthie, Sonny's father said. Leonard, he needs to get his butt to bed. How about he come sit on the porch with me, Annie said. Sonny's mother turned to the woman at her brother's side. She tilted her head, her eyebrows arching into her hairline as she looked down the length of her nose at this other woman. I mean, if that's okay with you all. Sonny's mother said nothing at first, just continued to look at that woman. She waited. Sonny knew she was good at that. Could ride the space between the passing of time and the beat of a person's heart for just that right moment. As if she knew how long it took to let a person know everything he or she needed to know. Well, I guess it's all right. But his mother raised her finger as Sonny bowed out of his chair. But you're not going to be out there that long, so don't get yourself too comfortable. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Sonny walked across the kitchen and passed his mother, his steps slow and measured. His knees quivered like a colt from the strain of trying to keep himself from running as he made his way out the door and onto the porch with Annie. Let's go sit on the steps, Sonny, she said once they were outside. Sonny went over to the screen and pushed at the heat-swollen wood until the door gave way and opened into the blackness. He and the other woman sat down on these cement steps. It was cooler out here, much cooler than inside, making the boy suddenly aware of his bare skin. It's beautiful here. She whispered. Sonny looked around the blackened yard, his face a puzzle. Don't you have nothing like this where you from? Not in the city. She pointed to the heavens. See how big the sky is? Sonny followed her figure. The sky looked the same as it always did. It ain't so big where I live. You mean it's smaller? The sky? Oh, yes. Much smaller. Folks made it that way. Folks can make the sky shrink? The boy cut his eyes at the woman. In the city they can. Sonny leaned against the stair. His mama might be right, he thought. Maybe these folks is devils. Anytime they can take God's heaven and make it smaller. And he told her he believed it's because everyone there is going to hell anyway. They don't need such a big heaven, no how. He said. Her laugh surprised them. Filling the air with the sound of wind chimes made him smile, too. Sonny, where you hear that from? It's true, Miss Annie. 
just Annie. And it ain't true. Look at me. She turned around so the two of them faced each other. You think I'm going to hell? Sonny moved his eyes over the white teeth that gleamed in the meager light, the softness in her face, and the eyes that grinned at him. She didn't look like she was going to hell. And even if she was, Sonny didn't care anymore. Now, he said, you don't appear to be no devil. She threw her head back and laughed again, louder this time. You are a wise man, Sonny. How old are you anyway? Nine three quarters? <laughs> yep, almost a man, she mused. Sonny stuck his chest out and pulled back his shoulders. He was almost a man. Though no one knew it except him and now her. His mother sure didn't know. She treated him like he was still Dennis's age. Probably hadn't even noticed how he no longer played make-pretend games. Or the way his body had started to change. Sonny inched himself closer to the woman by his side, breathing deeply from the scent of her. She smelled like some wild thing. Like the deer his father sometimes shot and hung in the barn to drain. Like yeast and dirt and summer storms. Look at them, the stars. Beautiful, she whispered. These are the same stars that shine over Africa. She pronounced it Africa. She said that she would go there someday before she died. That she would find the people who looked like her. Plum, black, and beautiful, Sunny thought. She said there were whole tribes of people whose faces reflected her own. Tribes where everyone was family. And Sunny could almost see the red clay earth, the verdant hills, the rows of women wrapped in prisons of color, baskets on their heads, a swan's grace dance to the Nile. He blinked until he was looking at the row of trees that lined the edge of their land. They seemed taller somehow, majestic and proud. Sonny had never thought about a place on the other side of the ocean. Only this place here. How you know all this? You a teacher? Nah, I'm a... I dance. She looked at him. But I read. I read all the time. Everything I can get my hands on. Ask your uncle. He'll tell you. I read books by color people, too. Sonny sat up so he could see her face. You trying to make a fool out of me? Books by color people? No, I ain't make a fool out of you. It's true. Colors write books. They sure do. Sonny wondered if his mother knew. The only book they owned was a Bible. And it was so old, the cover had tore off a long time ago. Sometimes they listened to radio shows, but it was his mother who told him the stories as they sat on the porch each night. Once her mother had told her when she was a girl. He wondered if any of those stories had been written by a black man. What school you go to anyway, boy, and that you don't know about Africa and, and colored writers? We go to Hampton Elementary. It's been deseparated, you know. We with white folks now, but year after next, I'll be going to junior high. Well, we're going to have to see that you get some real learning. Yes, ma'am. He looked back at the trees. You know what, Miss Annie? What? Nobody ever told me there were so many white people in the world. He looked at her to see if she would laugh. I mean, I seen a few. Mr. Thorne, who owns the shoe store where we go to, 
and the ones who come around on the weekends to sell wares. One even came and sat on his porch before. But I never knew until they sent me to the school that there were so many of them and so few of us. I know, Sonny. And I never knew they hated me so much. Oh, Sonny. And he placed her cool hand on the side of his heated face for the briefest of moments. The two fell silent, just as the crickets in her presence, making the night alive. Sonny let himself lean into her, resting his head on her shoulder. He could feel the rise and fall of her chest, every breath, every sigh that left her body, a shudder in its own. When she finally spoke, Sonny could hear the words gathering their strength from within her, as if from a well. There's this one story. It's called the story of the sacred tree of life. It's the story about the, the self-created. She took a deep breath before telling him a tale as ancient as river time, a time before sun, moon, and earth, where nothing existed except nothingness. That is, until the living spark that grew into flame, the faded battle between fire and cold, and the first goddess, great mother Ma'an, African woman, the color of dark fruit with cheekbones that looked as if they had been carved, Sonny imagined. Sonny watched Annie's soft, full lips form words that fell around him in a hush before gathering strength. Her eyes, darker now, looked past him, through him, the light from the kitchen making them shine with the promise of the mysteries, he felt. She told him about the beauty of the sun, moon, and stars, a beauty created only after the most intense pain, how great Mother Ma was struck in the back of the head so that she would die, the essence of the pain falling from her lips in the shape of a brilliant silvery orb to lodge itself in the heavens, and from that day forth becoming the moon. A terrible beauty. The origin of the hideous and the exquisite, one and the same. And Sonny could feel the spell tighten around him. He could hardly stand the hearing of it, even if he didn't understand all that was meant. It was as if he stood at the edge of a precipice whose bottom he could not see. Her words were a murmur of streams that gathered into a mighty river and threatened to sweep him away. Sonny, his mother yelled from inside. He jumped at the sound of her voice. Yes, ma'am. It's time. We going up now. Coming. Sonny got up from the step. I got to go. But I'll see you in the morning. I'll finish the story tomorrow night, okay? All right. And good night, Sonny. Good night, Annie. Sonny walked into the kitchen. His mind filled with poisonous snakes that grew from the roots of the great tree and stars that came from a woman's fingertips. His uncle had already left the room. His mother and father's backs disappeared around the side of the staircase. Sonny went up to his room knowing that he would never be able to get back to sleep. He leaned his shoulder against the bedroom door, pushed it open, and stuck his head inside. Dennis had turned over into his stomach, but his breathing was even and deep. Sonny slipped into the room and shut the door. He waited for his eyes to get used to the natural light of the moon before going over to his bed. He could hear the creaking of his parents' bed as they settled in for the night. And when he could no longer distinguish the hush of their voices, Sonny knew that they were finally sleeping. He wondered if Annie was still outside on that porch and decided he was going to count to 100 before 
going back downstairs to see. The sunlight spread across Sonny's chest and face. He could feel it changing the color behind his drawn lids from black to red. It wakened him from a sleep absent of dreams and made him realize that he had somehow slumbered during the night. He rolled over so that he could see his brother's side of the room. Dennis was gone. Their mother had already been in the straight in the bed. Sonny got up, grabbed his shorts and his t-shirts from the floor, and put them on. With nothing else in his head except getting down to that kitchen, he bounded down the stairs with his legs splayed wide, one hand against the wall and the other on the banister. He rushed into the room only to find his mother standing alone. Set the table, she said without turning around. Yes, ma'am. Sonny went over to the cabinet. He loaded his arms with plates to take to the table. Where's Daddy and Dennis? He took Dennis to get his hair cut. They've been gone since early. It's 11 o'clock. And Uncle Kenny? He asked casually. He walked around the table, setting a plate in front of each chair. Still sleeping, but he better get his butt up real soon, him and that woman. Sonny finished with the plates and went to get the silverware. When Annie entered the kitchen, she looked smaller than she had the night before. There was a puffiness around her eyes, a tiredness that no amount of sleep could erase. But as she stood with her back to the window, the sunlight framing her, Sonny didn't have to look hard to see the one who had sat with him beneath the stars and talked about a place called Africa. Morning, Sonny, sissy. Sonny's mother turned to face her and said, it's Ruthie. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so used to Kenny calling you sissy. I, I figured that's family. Annie took a seat at the table as Sonny finished laying the rest of the forks and knives. He looked at her hunching over his seat like a child. In Africa, everyone's family, the whole tribe, Sonny said. Well, this ain't Africa, his mother snapped. Sonny went to get the cups and saucers. Mommy, did you know that there was black folks who wrote books? He looked at Annie and smiled. Books? Yes, ma'am. The only book you need to worry about is a good book. Now, you better not nobody talk to you. I believe in nothing else. Now, go wash your hands. Yes, Mama. By the time Sonny came back into the kitchen, his mother had joined Annie at the table. He sat down in one of the chairs closest to Annie and looked back and forth between the two women. There was a tightness around the edges of his mother's eyes that had not been there before he left. Her lips were pursed almost flat. Annie just looked worn tired. The air between them trembled as if the last notes of a song had been played. Sonny began to eat the food his mother had already put on his plate. Brother needs to get up, his mother said. I have to strip that bed so I was going to wash those sheets. Just filthy. Sonny frowned at his mother. It ain't your laundry day. Don't be telling me what day it is, boy. I know what day it is. Besides, I'm sure they need washing. What, the sheets? Sonny stared at his mother, watching as her face blushed red. Or Uncle Kenny and Annie. Sonny Fisher, his mother exclaimed. Annie hid her mouth behind her napkin. Boy, what that got into you? But mama, you being rude. Who you think you are? His mother's eyes widened with surprise and hurt. Annie, who had been sitting quietly all this time, interrupted. Sonny, you ought to apologize to your mother. Annie, I thank you, but I think I can handle my child. His mother said, you, pointing her finger at Sonny's face, you wait until your father gets here. Annie finished her breakfast in silence before pushing herself away from the table. Thank you, Ruth, 
breakfast was real good. Now I think I'll, I'll go wake Kenny and see about us going out. She looked at Ruth. Don't want to overstay our welcome. As she got up and left the room. I thought they were staying until tomorrow. Sonny's mother avoided his eyes. Changed their minds, I guess. She sighed, leaning back in her chair. They was going to leave anyway. Well, you sure didn't make her welcome, Sonny mumbled. And rightly so, and rightly so. Sonny finished eating and went out to sit on the porch steps. He was still there when Uncle Kenny and Annie came outside to get in their car. The two stopped long enough for Kenny to flick a quarter into his empty hand and Annie to smile and brush the feathered touch of her lips against his cheek. They promised him they would be back by evening to say goodbye. Sonny would wait for her. He stayed on the porch until his father and brother came home. His brother ran right off with his glove and ball for a neighborhood game, like he and Sonny usually did every Saturday afternoon while their father went into the kitchen for his breakfast. Sonny waited. He could hear his parents talking in a steady murmur, broken every so often by his mother's exclamations. Sonny, his father yelled from the kitchen. Yes, sir. Come on in, boy. Coming, sir. Sonny walked into the kitchen, and his father pointed his fork at the chair to his left. I have a seat. Sonny sat down. Your mama told me you've been sassing her. Yes, sir. Well? Sonny looked over at his mother, who stood by the kitchen sink, her hands on her hips, watching him. Sorry, mama, he mumbled, more into his shirt than to his mother. <laughs> you think you grown, she grumbled. She turned back at the sink full of dirty dishes. I know one thing. Ruthie, the boy is sorry. I ain't having no child of mine sass me in my own house. That's all I have to say. Sonny looked at his father, who had started eating. They both knew that when she started on like this, the only spinning of energy could get her to stop. It's her. That's what coming in here stirring things up. I say good riddance. They gone? Sonny's father inquired. Not before brother could take me for some money, his mother said. I won't see him for another hundred years. That's not true. Sonny tried to keep his voice steady. They're coming, coming back to say goodbye to me. Oh, Sonny. His mother turned around to look at him, her eyes suddenly soft and warm. Don't look at me like that. It's true. Sonny saw the look his mother gave her husband. Daddy, can I be excused? Yes. Yes, Sonny. He got up from the table, his back ramrod straight, his chin quivering, but he lifted it as if in a salute. He climbed the stairs up to his room. She would come back. She would come back and finish her story. And he would leave with them. She had wanted to take him with her. He felt sure of it as he threw himself on the bottom of his bed, his face peering through the screen at the window. She would be his mother, teaching him things that he would never learn if he stayed here, things he needed to know. Annie would tell him all about Africa. And they would go together there one day. He stayed close to home all that afternoon. At times, he wandered down to the first floor and back up to the second, as if lost. When dusk fell and his parents went out to sit on the porch while Dennis chased uncertain shimmers of fireflies in the increasing darkness, Sonny joined them, 
He moved past his mother and father as they sat on folding chairs and went to sit in the doorway with his back against the wood frame. The first eager stars made their presence known, and it was then, with his face to the heavens, that Sonny knew. He could hear his parents talking in their low, steady tones, comforting this sadness that seemed to settle in his throat and push against the back of his burning eyes. Sonny looked over at the trees that lined the edge of the lands. They were just trees, maple, cherry, apple. Hey, Sonny. Dennis ran across the yard towards him. Come catch fireflies with me. No. Oh, come on. We can make jewelry. Sonny remembered one of the stories his mother used to tell, the one that said how lightning bugs were beacons of light that guided lost souls home. It's just bug juice, Dennis, he said. That's all. We hope you have enjoyed listening to Gary Dordan reading Christine Lincoln's story, Bug Juice, from her book, Sap Rising, published by Pantheon. Thank you, Christine Lincoln, for that gorgeous story, and Gary Dordan for the extraordinary readings. And thanks always to Jonathan Sachs, who composed our theme music, and to Joseph Cho, our technical director. This is Kirsty Pitt in England. And I'm Cedaring Fox in Los Angeles. Until next week, signing off. <laughs>